Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 8.53 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the 27th day of October 2023, and this is episode 815 of Bitcoin, and good morning. Good morning, good morning. I'm not streaming this live today. I have a... Uh, the Our dryer is on the fritz, and a new one is being delivered today, so at any given time, I'm going to have to like literally pause the show... So there was absolutely no reason in the world to make you guys sit through that while I'm spending Satoshis on the zap.stream. That is why for a, you know this is, you know, one of the first shows in, you know, kind of a while that I haven't done a, a live streaming, but hey, you know, it, it is what it is and you got to do what you got to do. But I got some good news for you. I re- I do. It is from Pablo F7Z as usual. He's announced Highlighter 2.0. Now, if you haven't used Highlighter before, um, you, then you're I, honestly, even if you have used Highlighter before, you're in for a treat. All right, so let's just get through the announcement. He's announcing Highlighter 2.0. The release name is SIG, S-I-G. No idea what that means. Highlighter has gone through so many changes that it's essentially an entirely new Nostra client. The goal remains the same. A Nostra client for your most valuable information. Your reading, your notes, your thoughts. A place to discover thoughtful, timeless content. I have a lot to say about Highlighter, why I'm building it, what it is and where it's going, how it fits in the mainstream adoption of Nostra, and to a degree... In the normalization of keys over passwords, data sovereignty, and more. But these ideas are still rough. Very, very rough and demands a lot of filling in. This is still very much for the early adopters. But let's focus on what's in this important release. Number one, data vending machine support. You can now very easily highlight podcast and video content in a text-native way. Number two. Patreon-like support. You can now create recurring subscriptions to support your favorite creators and shitposters. I will say a lot more about this and to follow up with a NIP, a Nostra Improvement uh, Proposal, to standardize and help other builders disrupt Patreon and bring creators of all kinds to Nostra easier and more compelling. Number three, zap splits. Zapping a highlight creates a split on everyone involved in you seeing that content. Number four, curation. You can now create curations of articles and earn zap splits for your creation efforts. NIP 32, number five, labels. Labels, labels, labels. Categorize, highlight, uh, or sorry, I'm sorry. Categorize highlights and margin notes with any category. 
And then finally, full tech support. Find what interests you across any topic in any type of event in Noster. There's a lot more to this release that I'll be discussing in the next few days and a lot more to come. Stay bullshit, my friend. Okay, so highlighter.com. And let's let's just go through, this, especially a couple of these uh, parts of this announcement. The data vending machine support. What the hell is he talking about? Well, if you have been living under a rock and you don't know who Pablo is, then you may not have seen him announce the the data vending machine situation, where what he basically does is allow you to access the, essentially data vending machines. Let's take it for example. Let's say that you want to to get into, you know, I don't know, ask AI a question, but or or have it, to, you know, generate you a picture. All right, you got Midjourney, you got Stable Diffusion, you've got a couple of other things you know, like uh, Wall-E or whatever. Uh, but these, generally speaking, you're going to have to have a subscription. Yep, yeah, and Chat GPT four, yeah, it's like twenty bucks a month. Yeah, mid-journey, you're, it's like, I can't remember how much that one is, but it's like a monthly fee and they take your credit card information and everything. But a data vending machine, somebody else already has a subscription to one or multiple of these things. And then you can pay the data vending machine Satoshis, not have to enter in any other information than just the prompt that you want. And then the data vending machine will return to you the information that it receives, right? So sort of like stands in between you and having to have a subscription. It's a lot more, there's a lot more to it than just that. But for our purposes here, that's sort of the way that that Pablo was going with some of this stuff. Well, and then it kind of grew out of there. He's got a whole website for it. He's the whole bunch of different data vending machines. And I knew, I just knew at one point or another that Pablo was going to, somehow get these data vending machines into one of his other projects. Uh, two of my favorites right now is the, well, data vending machines has always been one of my favorite projects from him. But Highlighter is another favorite. And Shipyard is one of my all-time favorites because all of these have great utility. Well, I knew data vending machines was going to slip into one of these things somewhere. And lo and behold, he brings it to Highlighter 2.0. What can you do with it? I will give you an example. Yesterday, I'm playing around with this thing. And notice that I can give it the address, the URL of a particular podcast. And if I know the timestamp of the section of the podcast that I want to do something with, it's got a place for me to do that inside the data vending machine inside Highlighter 2.0. And I did that. And I retrieved, basically, the text of what it was that I was saying during the uh, Beyond Bukele episode, episode 814 of Bitcoin and, and there was a section where I was talking about the, some certain items after I read a particular article and I wanted to, I was testing and I said, okay, well, f- what did I say? Listen to this part where I'm just talking at, you know, basically giving my thoughts after an article and I say, well, what, you know, write me the words, take what, you know, listen to the audio and take what I said and write it down in text form and son of a bitch, if it didn't do it and it did, and it did it pretty damn well. I had to go correct some things, you know, I had to go in and I, because natural speaking is different than natural writing. Like you'll say, um, you don't ever write, um, right. 
you don't say things twice. You don't do things like that when you're writing. It's a completely different style of getting thoughts from your brain and getting them out there. When you're speaking, it's different. So I had to go through and kind of massage it. But lo, you know, lo and behold, about 85 to 90% of exactly what I said in the order that I said, it came back to me in text form. It was amazing. I paid 60 Satoshis to have it done. And it was like a, like basically me talking for a minute. So the data vending machine in Highlighter 2.0 took my timestamp, returned to me the text, and then I was able to do stuff with it. What else can you do with Highlighter 2.0? Well, you can do what you always did. You can get an article like a Coinbase article or something like that, get the URL, throw it into Highlighter, and then highlight sections that you want to say something on. And as you when you highlight something, you can make a note on the side in the margin. And if you so choose, that note is a Noster note, and it can be blasted out and will carry with it the URL of the article that you made the notation from. And it will in the note will be the highlight, what you said about it, and the URL. It's amazing. And when you start using these tools in the way that, you know, in your own creative way, the sky is the limit on how you can be productive. And it's thank you again to Pablo F7Z for getting this thing out there because it, it is amazing. So how do you get to it? It's highlighter.com. Just go to highlighter.com, highlighter.com, just to make sure that I'm here. Yes, highlighter.com will take you right to where it is that you need to go. You drop in uh, your Noster pub key, uh, private key, uh, and I use Git Albi web extension to do that. And then lo and behold, all this stuff that is attached to your public-private key pair for Noster is you know essentially connected here in Highlighter. It's your account. No email signups, no credit card information, no nothing. Just your Noster stuff. It's honestly absolutely amazing. Now, let's get on into the rest of the news. Bitcoin is evolving into a multi-asset network. From Luigi Tillier, Cointelegraph is the people that are publishing it. For more than a decade, the primary narrative surrounding Bitcoin is focused on its role as peer-to-peer digital cash and a store of value. However... All indications suggest that we are witnessing a significant shift in this paradigm. Since the beginning of 2023, one of the most discussed topics in the Bitcoin ecosystem has been the use of the world's leading blockchain to store information that goes beyond the previously mentioned use cases. If you have been isolated in an igloo during the crypto winter and are unaware of the developments, let's have a brief overview, shall we? In January of 2023, Casey, uh, developer Casey Rodarmer introduced Ordinals to the world, a protocol that allows you to permanently inscribe any file into the Bitcoin blockchain. This wasn't the first method created for such an action, but it gained the most traction, creating a trend where non-fungible token collections, music, video games, journalistic articles, and even WikiLeaks records began to be stored in an eternal eternal and immutable manner on the world's largest decentralized network. As a result, experiments, innovation, and the perspective of the Bitcoin network as a vast decentralized database began to simmer. Despite being less than one year old, the Ordinals protocol has been evolving remarkably to become more efficient and to enable 
bolder use cases. One of the noteworthy enhancements is the technique of recursive inscriptions, which allows users to circumvent the four megabyte storage limit per block, enabling the assertion of larger data on the Bitcoin blockchain. As an example, illustrated by the image below, I inscribed the entire article from Cointelegraph on Bitcoin using recursive inscriptions. In total, eight inscriptions were made to achieve the final result at a total file size of 5.22 kilobytes, still small, Seven of the inscriptions were images from the article, each stored individually in a Satoshi through the Ordinals protocol. The eighth inscription comprises a code that contains the article's text and issues requests to retrieve the images from the other Satoshis. This assembly allowed for the complete article to be eternally inscribed on the Bitcoin blockchain, a feat that could not have been achieved in a single step while maintaining quality. Leonidas, a developer within the Ordinals community, offered an even more profound perspective on the matter on Twitter, saying, What if lots of people upload lots of packages of code into the Bitcoin blockchain, so now there's a huge repository of packages for developers to build on top of? This would unlock powerful use cases that could never be accommodated in under 4 megabytes. The most complex pieces of software are just a bunch of code compiled together after all. Now it becomes possible to put complex 3D video games fully on chain on Bitcoin. With just this, a world of possibilities can be contemplated and reimagined. And after all, the ability to use the world's leading blockchain as an immutable, shared, uncensored data storage is huge. But the innovations don't stop there. In October, Lightning Labs announced the first mainnet release of Taproot Assets, or Taro, further enhancing the Bitcoin blockchain as a multi-asset nat network. This could not have occurred at a more opportune time given the enthusiasm ignited by the Ordinals protocol and the way it paved the path for Taro to shine alongside it. The Ordinals protocol has broadened the perspective of users and builders allowing them to construct and view Bitcoin as a new or as a network of multiple assets. Ordinals assets <clears throat> compelled Binance to implement an integration with Lightning. This key factor makes trading other coins and assets very attractive through Taproot assets. And among the various applications of the Taproot protocol, uh, sorry, Tarot protocol, one of the most mentioned is the ability to issue stablecoins on the Bitcoin blockchain. The shift in paradigm is monumental as it paves the way for Bitcoin to transform from being primarily an exchangeable asset to becoming the medium through which exchanges occur. This innovation is going to empower builders to import successful use cases from other chains and bring them back to the mothership. Some even joke that all other chains are just Bitcoin's test nets. Does it all lead back to Bitcoin. Now I'm going to pause here to read this tweet from Udi Wertheimer, a guy who has just as much loved in cryptocurrency as he is hated. And honestly, I didn't expect this from him, but he says the Bitcoin Renaissance can't be stopped. The magicians at lightning labs are back with an efficient protocol for tokens on top of Bitcoin. Ethereum was a test net Get in, Anon, we're going to the moon. 
Now, if you don't know who Udi Wertheimer is, I'm not going to beat, you know, beat a dead horse, but he's a guy that was for Bitcoin and then he was for Ethereum and, and then he was against Bitcoin and then he came back and he was for Bitcoin and then he was against Ethereum and then he went back to Ethereum. And, and honestly, I can't, we, nobody really knows if the dude is just trolling or not, honestly, but he's been in the space for a very long time. And now it looks like he's flipped bullish back on Bitcoin. And he will tell you that he never flipped away from being bullish on Bitcoin, but his actions speak louder than words. And some of the things that he's done, I definitely do not agree with. However, you got even Udi Wertheimer, is, it, when he's saying shit like this, then uh, this is a, something that's not going to be stopped. Let's continue. Overall, we could say that we are on the edge of a new Bitcoin era. In addition to attracting and retaining more developers who may be interested in these new protocols, these new applications also have the potential to draw in and retain new users who initially didn't find interest or value in Bitcoin as a store of value. For some, transforming the world can sometimes occur through the simple enjoyment of some fun, encrypted sports cards say. But with the optimization of ordinals, the number of possibilities will continue to expand. Hal Finney, a prominent cypherpunk, and the first person to receive a transaction from Bitcoin creator Satoshi Nakamoto wrote in a 1993 post on CompuServe, quote, giving a little more thought to the idea of buying and selling digital cash. I thought of a way to present it. We're buying and selling cryptographic trading cards, end quote. Finney knew, and now you know too. All right, so that's the article. And whatever it is that we think about ordinals, and I'm not a fan of them, as you know, with this advent of everybody talking about the, the, well, everybody talking about the advent of taproot assets because they're coming. And right now, from what I understand, it appears to only be on Bitcoin main chain where these taproot quote unquote assets can be done. However, be aware they're coming to lightning. Taproot lightning assets are going to be a thing. Lightning Labs is working on it. So that means that tokens and stable coins and all kinds of bullshit that you don't ever want to hear about are going to be flowing through your Lightning node, whether you like it or not, right? Now, how to react? Should we react in a way that you would expect? Uh, we hate it. It's all shit coinery, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I get it. Because most of the stuff that's going to be issued is going to be just plain worthless. But I can't help but to remind myself and everybody else of the following statements that Bitcoin maximalists always have made. Everything can be done on Bitcoin. Everything can be done on Bitcoin. We don't need any of these shit coins. We don't need any of it. And most people will say, most of the maxis that I know will say, we don't need stable coins either. We really don't. All of that shit can be done on Bitcoin. And we praised each other for saying it. And we, we, you know, basically we're proud ourselves for saying it. But you know what we forgot to say? How it was going to be done. If it is the case, and I believe it is, that all of this shit that is in the quote-unquote cryptocurrency galaxy of, you know, federation of fucking planets can be done on Bitcoin, then I need to figure out how that was going to be done. 
because it can't, I mean, all of that stuff can go to Bitcoin, but we never, ever, ever talked about how, in what manner, how do you do this? And all of a sudden, when it started being done, I included and the rest of the field went fucking apeshit with NFTs on the blockchain. We were like, dude, this is just ridiculous. The ordinals and inscriptions has done this to, you know, what, what we loved. Well, that's apparently how, at least for now, for the time being, and I don't know how much farther in the future it's going to go, but for the time being and the foreseeable future, the way all the rest of the shit that we said could be done by Bitcoin, this is the way it's going to be done. We did. We don't want to hear that part, but I will always fall back to the following theoretical. If it can be done on Bitcoin, then it will be done on Bitcoin. If the Bitcoin protocol allows a thing to be done, that thing will be done whether you like it, hate it, cry about it, or don't care about it. Bitcoin doesn't care. The protocol doesn't give a shit. The only thing that the protocol cares about is what the protocol itself can actually do. How it functions. Rules that allow things to occur. And if the rules allow a thing to occur, I guarantee you, that thing is going to occur. Now, Bitcoin price hits an all-time high across Argentina, Nigeria, and Turkey. Braden Lindria from Cointelegraph has more. The price of Bitcoin has notched new all-time highs against some of the world's most inflationary fiat currencies. Across 30 hours, over October the 23rd and 24th, the cost of buying one Bitcoin has reached all-time highs when using the Argentine peso, the Nigerian naira, the Turkish lira, the Laotian kip, and the Egyptian pound. However, it should be noted that the result is due to the ongoing devaluation of the currencies exacerbated by Bitcoin's recent 16% price increase. The naira and lira fell to their lowest points against the United States dollar on October the 24th and the 25th, while the peso is only 0.85% off of its all-time low against the dollar. According to the International Monetary Fund, the Venezuelan Bolivar currently has the highest annual inflation rate of 360%, followed by the Zimbabwean dollar at 314, the Sudanese pound at 256, and the Argentine... OSE? I thought it was the peso. Anyway, at 122%, the Turkish lira and Nigerian naira came in 6th and 15th with annual inflation rates of geez, 51% and 25% respectively. God, have mercy. Crypto observers have long seen digital assets such as Bitcoin and stablecoins as a hedge against rocketing inflation and recent figures could bolster the narrative. Nigeria, Turkey, and Argentina boast the second, 12th, and 15th highest rates of cryptocurrency adoption worldwide, according to a report by Chainalysis. However, the governments of these countries haven't always seen eye-to-eye with the industry. Nigeria is finally becoming more welcoming to cryptocurrencies after its central bank banned local banks from providing services to cryptocurrency exchanges in February of 2021. Progress was made in December of 2022 when Nigeria announced its intention 
to pass a bill recognizing cryptocurrencies as capital for investment, citing the need to keep up with global practices as one of the main reasons behind its change in stance. And while Turkey is home to some of the most crypto curious people, its central bank banned cryptocurrency payments for goods and services in April of 2021. It has also been working on a central bank digital currency uh, to digitalize the Turkish lira in recent years. Meanwhile, Argentina's inflation crisis could also be influenced by the outcome of its presidential election in November, with presidential candidate Javier Millet set to face competitor Sergi Massa in a final runoff vote, and that will be on November the 19th, so we're definitely looking for that. Massa, who currently serves as the country's Minister of Economy, wants Argentina to launch a CBDC as soon as possible. Yes, we are well aware of that situation. We don't need to actually read any more about that. But yeah, so, you know, Turkey, Argentina, Nigeria, all these all these places, they're demonstrating what is eventually going to happen. And I get the feeling that the West is going to turn, instead of being interested in war in the Middle East, like they have been for, what, 30 years? They're going to be interested in how to retain any measure of power that they have. Because when, I don't think that these pe- the people in power... I think they've forgotten just how small of a sector, geographical sector, the West actually really is in comparison to the rest of the world. And the West, we we have not been playing nice. Let's be just honest. We haven't been fair. We haven't been nice. We've been doing a lot of damage. And as these countries figure out what you know, El Salvador has figured out that as much as you can detach yourself from the IMF and the World Bank, even though Bukele is talking to the IMF again about a couple of things, and I'm not happy about that, they still, these people are more and more going to try to get off of that. Are they going to send the USS George W. Bush to sit off the coast of Africa and bomb banks instead of military assets in the Middle East? Will they do the same in the in the Latin American countries? I don't know, man. It's a weird time to be alive, definitely. But this Bitcoin senator who's pissing me straight off, and it's not Elizabeth Warren, has come into full view. This one saddens me. This is out of Decrypt, written by Matt DeSalvo. Bitcoin senator urges swift action against Binance and Tether for links to terrorist groups. U.S. lawmakers today urged the Department of Justice to press ahead with an investigation into Binance and Tether to see if they have helped facilitate the funding to Hamas. In a letter, Senator Cynthia Lummis from Wyoming and Representative French Hill from Arkansas asked on Thursday that the DOJ reach a charging decision on Binance that reflects their level of culpability and expeditiously conclude your investigations into the ongoing illicit activities involving Tether, end quote. The letter comes after the Wall Street Journal reported that Hamas used Binance accounts and the Tether stablecoin to finance its attack on Israel earlier this month. Blockchain data firm Elliptic has since said that the WSJ's reporting was inaccurate. And it was, I'm pausing to say it was Elliptic's data. Elliptic basically said the WSJ, the Wall Street Journal, misrepresented the data from Elliptic themselves to write that story that has now resulted 
in everybody's favorite Bitcoin senator, Cynthia Lummis, showing her ass. Showing her ass. Just, I mean, I, this is what I hate about these guys. They're all the same. They're all the same. Oh my God, funding of Hamas. We got to stop it, dude. <sighs> senator Lummis and Rep Hill said in their letter that while the funding in the article is likely not accurate, the DOJ should hold bad actors accountable if they are shown to facilitate illicit activity. We urge the Department of Justice to carefully evaluate the extent to which Binance and Tether, specifically, are providing material support and resources to support terrorism through violations of applicable sanctions, laws, and the Bank Secrecy Act. To that end, we strongly support swift action by the Department of Justice against Binance and Tether to choke off sources of funding to the terrorists currently targeting Israel. End quote. The DOJ has ongoing investigations into both Tether and Binance. Senator Lemus is usually outspoken about the digital asset industry, but is not anti-crypto. She is known as the, quote, Bitcoin senator for her cryptocurrency advocacy on Capitol Hill and has pushed for crypto regulation. Hamas has long collected donations in the form of cryptocurrencies. I know. But after a letter from bipartisan lawmakers last week demanding answers regarding the role cryptocurrency plays in financing terrorism, analysts pointed out that assertions crypto play a that hold on. Analysts pointed out that assertions crypto crypto plays a large role in the Israel-Palestine crisis aren't entirely accurate. That's a terrible sentence. But it just goes to show that Cynthia Lummis is just like all the rest of them. And they even say to that, they even they want all this shit shut down. And then, hold on, what is it that she says? Uh, hold on. Let's see if we can find it again. Yeah. Senator Lummis and Representative Hill said in their letter that while the funding in the article is likely not accurate, they should hold bad actors accountable if they are shown to facilitate illicit activity. So you've written a letter. Cynthia Lummis, you've written a letter with your your good buddy to the DOJ freaking the hell out. And then in that very same said letter, write that the reporting that you're freaking out about is likely inaccurate. Do you see a pattern? These people, they're either insane or they're flat evil or both. At this point, I've lost respect, a whole bunch of respect for Cynthia Lummis. I, I don't expect her to do anything for Bitcoin at this point. Not, and if you well, you want Hamas funded, I don't give a shit. Honestly, I don't. This whole thing is so far away from me physically. I don't care. We've been like the West has been fomenting problems in the Middle East through various actors for decades and decades and decades. Nothing has gotten better. Everything has gotten worse. Why do you think this time it'll be different? It won't. It's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. The whole world doesn't need to actually be at war. We've just been told it needs to be at war. Let's run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities. And because the United States launched airstrikes in Syria, yes, we did that early this morning, apparently, oil is up. 
West Texas Intermediate is up almost a point and a half to $84.40. Brent North Sea is up over a point and a half to $89.30. Natural gas up a fifth of a point, $3.22 per thousand. And gasoline is up 1.77% to $2.29 a gallon. Gold is down a quarter of a point to $19.92.80. Silver's down a fifth of a point. Platinum's down a third. Copper is the only gainer today, 1.79% of the upside. Palladium is down just over a point. Uh, Ag is fully mixed. The biggest winner today is soybeans, 1.43% to the upside. Biggest loser is going to be, looks like it's going to be wheat, uh, almost a full point to the downside. Live cattle is up a point and a half. Lean hogs up 1.89%. Damn. Feeder cattle are up a fifth of a point. The Dow is down two-thirds of a point. The S&P is down 0.17%. NASDAQ is up 0.8%. And the S&P Mini is down 0.8%. Bonds, what are they doing? Well, all your high year, you know, high-holding maturity date bonds are up. Uh, 30-year flipped to 5.05%. Uh, 20 years still chilling out around five point eh, five and a quarter percent and everything else basically gained in its yield. So all of their face values have been pushed down. The dollar index is down a mere one tenth of a point today to 106.51% on the DXY. Uh, $33,932 is what uh, Bitcoin is going to cost you for one of them anyway. And the average transaction value is about one Bitcoin. Median transaction values are $92, which means ordinals are part of the mix, of course. Block times are high, 10 minutes and 55 seconds. I got 0.19 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis, 25 and a third taken overall in the past 24 hours. With a slight dip in hash rate, we are down to 433.4 exahashes per second. Doge has gained all the way back up to seven United States pennies. So after the pump of Bitcoin, and I've seen this before, when when pick, when Bitcoin has a big pump, all the rest of the shit coins sort of kind of start getting liquidated so that people can buy Bitcoin because there's a rise in Bitcoin. But when Bitcoin stabilizes and there's no more pump and it just starts going across to the right-hand side in relatively a straight line, what happens? People start buying their shit coins again. Why? Because they never, ever, ever learn. $653.9 billion of market capitalization is just under uh, 5% of gold's entire market cap. You may now purchase 17 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19 million. 525,311 of 5,243 of those are in the lightning network now valued at $175.6 million running over 14,568 nodes supporting 62,842 payment channels and 83.1% of all of it is being run over Tor. Mempools are looking pretty full. We're getting back up there guys. About 130 blocks carrying 53,600 transactions waiting to clear. 34 Satoshis per V-byte is going to be your high-priority transaction cost. Uh, to get one in at a low priority is 28 Satoshis per V-byte. And anything under 3 point, nope, 2.3 Satoshis per V-byte are being purged from impulse around the world. And we have a 415.6 exahash hash rate from mempool.space. So yeah, we'll say, we'll call it 
20 exahashes per second as an average between the two. Now, Fountain App, Crazy69 with 22, 22, 22, a big row of ducks says, haven't boosted in a while, but have been listening and modestly stacking sats. Good for you. Nat Gas, Nat Gas Immersion with 10, thousand five hundred says keep it up thank you letter 6173 with uh striper boost 7777 says health and family are always worth focusing on yes wartime psycho 3333 says thank you dubrovko with 1230 says does anybody know what this company does and oh it's let's see just for shits and giggles because he gave me a URL to a picture. Let's see what the picture is. <laughs> Palantir. Uh, Dubrovko, Palantir is essentially a private uh, intelligence service. It's, think of, of Palantir as a digital version of CIA, except it has literally no connection to the government that we know about. But you know they're connected to the government. It's Peter Thiel's deal, man. It's... I would have nothing to do with Palantir at all forever because they're just scumbag evil pieces of shit. Whatever. Dubrovko, again, with 1220 says, if I tried what Bukele did, my government would have had me killed. Maybe my kid also. Prayers out there to the president. No shit, dude. Axelrod with a thousand says, suit speak bit work. Just a thought, but would that be an idea that you could promote with a prison boost? Or a prism tag that splits boost between content creators. Not asking for sats, just wondering if that is how the pr- the boost prisms work. Also, congrats on not focusing on price when the charts are screaming green god candles. It must take a lot of price fluctuations to get your attention. I'm just numb, honestly. Henry GQJ says, with a thousand, thank you, David. I did not know Sam Bankman Fried had an inconsistent wang that's now working against him. <laughs> My Wang. God's Death with 370. Thank you again, sir. No, thank you. User with a lot of numbers and a short row of sticks says, thank you for your courage. No, thank you. God's Death with 100 says, dad joke. And a whole, uh, some some emojis. Pies with 100. Thank you, sir. No, thank you. And that's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Ledger now lets you pay a mere $9.99 per month to ID your cold wallet's seed and send it to trusted third parties. <laughs> no BS Bitcoin. Um, I'm not going to read all the, the, the stuff that's in this no BS Bitcoin.com because this is a terrible idea. And no BS Bitcoin gets it. They go through... All of this stuff, you're, let's see here. What does it say? Uh, today, like he goes through the, 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 they go through the announcement, what it costs and all the, the suit speak and how to set it up and all that kind of stuff. But then as, as the piece goes on, we get to the very end where Seth for, Seth for privacy has a tweet that says with red lights flashing on either side of this bolded sentence, Please do not use this service. If you use this service, you are signing up for simple seizure of funds if Ledger willingly or unwillingly due to government pressure decides to collaborate with one of the other storage providers. Friends don't let friends use Ledger 
and their service recover. First image shows that Ledger owns the common encryption key that is used to encrypt the shards. The second image shows Ledger themselves saying how they can give over funds in the event of a subpoena. So good for no no bullshit Bitcoin reporting the news, but making sure that you know, do not use this service. There is no need to use this service. Go to Unchained Capital. If you need some people that because you don't want to hold your own keys or you want to be able to recover your keys in case of some problems, don't use Ledger. They're going to give your shit to someone else. Use Unchained. And the reason is because they have developed a a pretty good security model where they kind of can only give over one key, right? You find a third party that will keep a third key for you. And, and that way, if Ledger gets compromised, they only have one third of your two of three keys, uh, multi-sig, all right? They're, they're, they've been in the space forever. They're good Bitcoiners. They've survived all of the crap for not one, but at least two bear markets that I can tell. And they, cause they never got into shit coinery. That's why I trust them because they're still alive. That's why I trust them because they've never had a news article written about them, about how they turned over somebody's private keys to the authorities. That's why I trust them. I think you can too. If you're considering using something like recover from ledger, then just go to unchained. You don't need a French company doing your shit for you, especially when they've told or told you flat out that they will definitely give your shit over to whatever government wants it just because they ask for it. All right, so just please, for the love of God, this is the second time we've heard about this. The backlash the first time was so hard they pulled the service. They said, we're not going to, we're not going to announce it. And what did they do? They waited like a freaking snake in the grass for everything to calm down quiet down. And then, and then, and then during the pump that nobody's seen in quite a while and everybody was very, very distracted by ledger offers the recover service for the second fucking time. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't have anything to do with ledger. I personally think their hardware sucks. I own three of their devices. Ask me why. The first two broke. Just completely bricked up on trying to get the firmware updated. I'm done with them. I'm never using Ledger again. And this just reinforces that. Stay away from these people. They're all snakes. Uh, Let's see here. Oh, UK, the United Kingdom has a bill for seizing illicit crypto and it finally becomes a law. So they've signed this bastard bill into law at in the UK and this is exactly why you don't want to use Ledger because the UK could call up France and the guys over at Ledger and say we think these people have, you know, whatever and we want all of your shit and Ledger's going to crumble like a cheap suit and give everybody your private keys. Don't do it. By the way, this is written uh, by Chamomile Shumba out of Coindesk, a bill that will help law enforcement agencies seize and freeze crypto used for crime became law on Thursday after receiving the King's approval. The Economic Crime and Corporate Transparency Bill covers a 
range of criminal activities from drug trafficking to cybercrime. Provisions in the bill give broader powers to local cops and will let them seize crypto with criminal links without a conviction, something experts say would come in handy, particularly in time-sensitive cases. The bill was introduced last September, and since then, amendments have been added to ensure the measures were extended to cover terrorism. Separate provisions to help authorities seize other assets that can help identify crypto linked to crime were also added. It was passed by Parliament on Wednesday. Although the United Kingdom has expressed a desire to become a global hub for crypto and has passed some legislation to legitimize crypto in the country, it has also been clamping down on crypto crimes and scams. Law enforcement agencies have already seized hundreds of millions of pounds worth of crypto tied to criminal activity and have placed crypto tactical advisors and police departments nationwide to assist in investigations. The West is freaking out. They've got, they are fighting wars on every front you can imagine. Commodity wars, especially considering oil. Fiat currencies. Yields on bonds, debt, inflation, geographical bomb dropping wars. You've got whole segments of Latin America basically just giving the finger to people and Africa's fucking next. And then you've got China and the Taiwan thing and China and the Belt and Road coming back to Africa, which is one of the problems that the United States has. It's the West in general does not have the capacity to fight all this at once and something is going to break. And when it does, it's going to be up to the very localities in the countries in the West to take care of each other and forget about their federal governments altogether. Because these guys, they're incompetent at this point. Even if they had been competent years ago, They are no longer competent because they have too many irons in the fire trying to seize the world. I don't even know why you'd want the world. It seems like a a mental illness to me for these people to continually do what they do. But what they've done is put themselves in a situation where they are being ripped to shreds. Ripped to shreds. And I want to have nothing to do with it. Has anybody got a number for a truck driving school down in El Salvador? Because I swear to God, I am thinking very seriously about getting the hell out of here. It has no, oh, if Trump's elected, I'm moving to Canada. No, it doesn't matter who's elected. These people are fucking insane. And I'm getting the feeling that the only sane place to go is Central America, or at least somewhere beneath Mexico, because Mexico is just as insane as the United States and Canada is. So just if anybody's got a way for me to get down to El Salvador and get the hell out of this funky place, man, let me know. Anyway, uh, oh, uh, do we want to do this one? Yeah, let's end. We'll end the show on this one because I got a, I got a uh, lunch date and I've got to also take my, my daughter to her meeting. But Lola Leets has this one out of Bitcoin Magazine. And I like Lola's writing. So we're going to read this one entitled... Why Blockchain Surveillance Needs FinCEN's Patriot Act Ploy. FinCEN's proposal of special measure regarding convertible virtual currency mixing as a class of transactions of primary money laundering concern would criminalize Bitcoin privacy tools 
under the suspicion of money laundering. If FinCEN has its way, all regulated entities will have to provide customer data for funds suspected to have interacted with mixing tools and services to federal agencies and could go as far as including the use of the Lightning Network as a reportable act. To understand the motivation for FinCEN's proposal, we need to look at the relationship between blockchain surveillance firms, intelligence agencies, and the methods informing heuristics to track funds on-chain. Blockchain surveillance firms use a range of heuristics to track funds on-chain. Some heuristics stem from publicly available peer-reviewed research, such as the Common Input Ownership or Co-Spend Heuristic, in which it is assumed that all inputs to a transaction are owned by the same person. Other heuristics are less publicly known due to the proprietary nature of blockchain surveillance software, What we do know is that chain analysis has developed thousands of other heuristics based off of an understanding of idioms of usage in the Bitcoin ecosystem, according to a research paper. There may be thousands of ways to skin a cat, but if thousands of heuristics are necessary to track funds in Bitcoin, then we can assume that the process applied are not necessarily very very reliable. This lack of scientific framework to complete blockchain surveillance tasks is highlighted by the aforementioned paper as well, citing the lack of a ground truth data set for address clusters. FinCEN's proposal is now supposed to come to the blockchain surveillance rescue by enabling a bulk feeding of the so-called intelligence heuristic in the intelligence heuristic. Blockchain surveillance firms pair on-chain data with real-world data that is either openly available or obtained via service providers. But private information can, at this point, only be obtained lawfully, such as via warrants or subpoenas, which require probable cause and constitute lengthy processes. This should currently make the intelligence heuristics a slow and costly one complicated to apply in bulk, a problem FinCEN's proposal would solve by requiring alleged mixing transactions to be directly reported to the federal government, disregarding the people's right to protection from arbitrary search and seizures in favor of anti-terrorism legislation. Quote, you cannot trace funds through a service because the way that service stores and manages funds deposited by users inherently makes further tracing inaccurate rights chain analysis. Quote, transactions coming into services can't be connected to transactions leaving services. End quote. By attributing transactions to known entities, blockchain surveillance aims to make funds traceable on-chain. But blockchain surveillance software can't attribute what it doesn't know. Quote, Only the exchange itself knows which which deposits and withdrawals are associated with specific customers, and that information is kept in the exchange's order books, which aren't visible on blockchains or in analysis tools like Reactor. Without the regulation of privacy tools under the Patriot Act and the consequential reporting of user data, a large part of its business would continue to be rooted in suspicion. The systematic inaccuracy of blockchain surveillance software is, too, reflected in the United States government's own procurement records showing that departments such as U.S. Treasury contract contact not one, sorry, U.S. Treasury contract not one, but at least two different blockchain surveillance firms for law enforcement purposes, namely Chainalysis Incorporated and Elliptic Enterprises Limited. This is because, as illustrated in the U.S. 
versus Sterlingoff case. Different blockchain surveillance providers historically yield different results. The unreliability of blockchain surveillance software becomes even clearer when investigating the reasoning behind or brought forward to support FinCEN's proposal, namely that terrorists such as Gaza's Hamas allegedly turned to cryptocurrency for fundraising, a claim that's been excellently debunked by former U.S. Chamber speechwriter and director of public policy at Riot Platforms, Sam Lyman, highlighting that Hamas's previous crypto fundraisers were, in fact, an absolute disaster, leading to the covert funneling of funds towards the United States government. But facts don't stop former IRS investigator and current elliptic strategic engagement lead Matthew Price from claiming that, quote, using crypto is much easier than smuggling cash over Egypt's border. Chainalysis disagrees in a statement issued to clarify the widespread misinformation that Hamas allegedly received millions of dollars in cryptocurrency leading up to the October 7th attacks. Quote, given blockchain technology's inherent transparency and the often public nature of terrorism financing campaigns, cryptocurrency is not an effective solution to finance terrorism at scale. We now have three different blockchain surveillance providers, all claiming three different things. In the original article, Tel Aviv-based BitOK claims for Hamas to have received over 41 million USD, while Elliptic claims for the Palestinian Islamic Jihad to have received over 93 million USD in crypto between 2021 and June this year, numbers which Chainalysis claims are overstated. Apparently, analysts falsely identified an exchange wallet as a personal wallet. Since the majority of heuristics and clusters applied lack a scientific basis, there's no way to know for certain whose numbers are correct. Instead, enforcement agencies must decide whose information to trust, picking and choosing whose science fits the story best. Here, proximity to the intelligence apparatus comes in handy. For the past three years, Chainalysis has received at least $3.3 million from NQTEL, the venture capital arm of the CIA, while its competitor Elliptic was founded out of GCHQ Accelerator. The only problem, according to Chainalysis' very own data, less than one-third of the funds received by mixers in 2022 were identified as illicit. The majority of funds remain perfectly lawful, while terrorist financing makes up less than a fraction of overall illicit funds identified. Quote, terrorism financing is a very small portion of the already very small portion of cryptocurrency transaction volume that is illicit, says Chainalysis. Regulating privacy technologies under the Patriot Act, therefore, cannot be justified as its only purpose is the enabling of total surveillance of otherwise law-abiding citizens via intelligence services while furthering the overreach of blockchain surveillance firms, collectively punishing the people for the actions of a few. Unfortunately for FinCEN, even with total oversight of all alleged mixing transactions, no proposal can change that a science that is not based on fact is indeed fantasy. So this is honestly, this is probably the greatest threat that we've, we've faced so far in the Bitcoin space. You know, this is just flat out, you know, using an unregulated body called FinCEN 
to leverage an already existing United States legislation motion called the Patriot Act to do some of the most egregious harms to humanity that has ever been able to be done. Now, this isn't a thing yet, but it's close. It's really close. And the the thing is, is that the, the language is so broad that if this is accepted and, you know, by other nations as well as the United States, it's going to cause real problems. And honestly, that would, you know, again, I'd be thinking about seriously about moving to El Salvador or Costa Rica or, you know, somewhere around there. Because these people are insane. They, th- these people are demonstrating the classic signs of the mental illness known as narcissism. And this, if you've ever known a narcissist, if you've known him long enough, I mean, it's like you, you've probably talked to a narcissist and never really even knew it, right? But if you've lived with one, had your life dictated by one, it's a very different deal. It's a very different deal. And you do not want these people having anything to do with you, your future, your present, or even the ability to rewrite your past. Because they will look at your past and they will bring it up to you in the present so they can fuck your future over. None of this is good. Does that mean that I'm selling all the Bitcoin and getting out? No. No, this is our only chance for humanity. And that is why we fight. And for all the people that are going to drop out of this fight because it's just too dangerous. I get it. And I'm not even going to fault you for it. I understand. And some of us, we can talk a big game about how we're going to stand and fight until the fight, you know, is literally a crown of thorns that they stick on your fucking head. And then what will you do? What will I do? I don't know. That day's not here yet, but it could be coming. And I'm not looking forward to it. I would just rather all these people leave us all alone. But I don't think that that's going to happen. And I I never really have thought it was going to happen. Once I realized what was going on, and it took decades of my life to figure it out, I kind of realized just that we're, we're in a bad situation. Not just us in the United States or Canada or just the West in general, the whole world. Because the whole world has now come under the thumb of a group of narcissistic people that are insane. It's the only explanation for why the world is functioning the way that it's functioning right now. These people are insane and they're narcissists. Bitcoin is a way out. And I want to leave you with that. Uh, No jokes today because I got to cut this one and, and, and get it out and up so I can take my daughter to her thing. But just understand that very few times in history has something like Bitcoin ever come around that was put directly in the hands of the citizenry of the world first before governments got a hold of it. Money in general was one because all money used to be private money. It wasn't government controlled until recently as far as you know, human lifespans are concerned. Bitcoin is another one. You know, I mean, it's like somehow or another, the two things that we're most concerned with right now on the planet, both of the things, the money, the Bitcoin. 
I mean, not that they're different. I mean, it's just like we've, we've had money introduced to us a second time, money 2.0. And it fell into the hands of the private sector first. The general citizenry of the world got money first. What you're seeing right now is what governments do to try to take that power out of the hands of the citizenry. Because it's not the money that has the power. It's the citizenry. The money's just their tool to express that power. And if the government can take it away from the citizenry, then we go right back to being slaves. Whether it's money in paper form, money in gold, money in Bitcoin, it doesn't matter. We can't let it happen. We've got to take a stand and say, this is the line, no more, this is it right here. We're not, we're done with you. And I don't know how to get that across to normie people that are just trying to work the job, raise their kids, and put food on the table. We're fighting everything on all fronts as well, just like the governments of the West. And we are being torn apart as well, which is also one of the reasons why when people ask me, why I... Why am I looking at at the nations of Africa and the nations of Central and South America so hard? Because they're not being torn apart the way that we are. They are, I mean, they're poor as fuck. Yeah, I get it. That sucks. They're starvation and I get that and that sucks too. They're being torn apart in a different way. But we're fighting on so many different fronts I think they survive faster than we survive. I, I mean, I, I think they get out of it. I think Latin America and the continent of Africa and all these small other countries around the world, I think they actually get out of this. Whereas the countries that absolutely refuse to take their attention and turn it to what it needs to be trained on will just perish and become shells of themselves. And honestly, and I know it sounds bad, But the saving grace here is that at least we got something to fight for. At least there's the chance to actually fight. Because one of these days, we might not even have a chance to fight, so we better take it now. This may be the last chance that we have to fight. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and... And I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.